Hi, welcome everybody. My name's Aaron Wilkes. I've over 25 years experience working in schools as a teacher, a department, a faculty leader. I'm the PGC lead at the University of Warwick and an author for OUP. I've series edited each of our new Key Stage 3 depth studies books, British Empire, African Kingdoms, Fight for Rights, and the one we're going to talk about today, Migration Nation. I'm joined with Shalina, Shalina Patel, getting on towards 15 years in the classroom, Shalina, is that right? That is absolutely correct. (laughs) Where's that time gone? Former head of history, currently head of teaching and learning and leader of ITT. Lots of awards, Silver Pearson Teaching Award for Outstanding Teacher of the Year in 2018. Lots of work for The Guardian and The Times and BBC Radio. I'm going to get down with the kids now and say the word Insta. Your Insta is at at the History Corridor, is that right? That is correct, yes. And first book, The History Lessons, published soon, isn't it? Yes, be early uh, early next year. Yeah, that's I thought so, yeah. And I'm also with Liberty Melly. Senior Learning Manager at the Migration Museum, and Tia Shah, who's also from the Migration Museum. Just to open very briefly, I've sort of introduced Chilina in, in a bit of depth, but people who are not familiar with the Migration Museum, and, and we can go to back and chat a bit more about this later, could you just perhaps let us know, Liberty, what, what's the Migration Museum? Like a minute pen portrait for me, please. Of course, very happy to say. So, um... Uh, We are working towards establishing Britain's first national migration museum. Um, We're currently based in a home in Lewisham Shopping Centre, where we've been since early 2020. Um, And our goal is really simple. We're working towards establishing a space where people can come and learn about migration in a much more sensible way. We do that through exhibitions, events, and a very active learning programme, which is, is part of the reason that we're here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. And we'll dig back into that a little bit more later on, I hope to. I'm going to sort of open up the topic. And if I could perhaps direct this to you, Shalini, the the new key stage three books that, like I said, there are four in total, British Empire, African Kingdoms, Fight for Rights and Migration Nation. We've seen loads and loads of interest around these depth study books. So why... Why, in general, do you think there's been so much buzz about about these new books? Yeah, I think the these four titles are just so brilliant. And I think, you know, all of us listening are all obviously really familiar with history teaching in uh, in secondary schools. And we know that rightly so, there's been, you know, over the last few years, been such an increase kind of focus on uh, diversity and inclusion and really thinking about yeah. widening curriculums, decolonizing curriculums and really yeah. sort of reflecting on, you know, what do we what do we teach? Why do we teach this? You know, actually what story are our students leaving us? Particularly I think us thinking about what do students leave what historical knowledge do students leave when if they don't do GCSE history, for yeah. example, you know, yeah. so and then really thinking about, you know, what can we what can we what can we provide at key stage three level that means that if a child does not choose to do history at GCSE then actually what are they walking away with I think there's also a brilliant link I think we've been so lucky haven't we in the last few years that the 
the rich historical scholarship that we've got yeah, is just isn't incredible, it? isn't it? And I think what I've seen, which I've, I've not really seen in my first few years of teaching, certainly is I've seen such a connection between between that whole historical scholarship and schools in terms of, I feel like there's there's such conversations now that happen between those who are sort of researching all these marginalised voices and sort of understanding that actually we can, we can translate that for the classroom yeah. as well. And that's so exciting. And yeah, I think it's all of those things combined, really. I think, you know, I think everyone's also thinking, you know, the pandemic gave us pause, didn't it, in lots of ways as to really think about Key Stage 3. And I think that's why these publications have been so popular because yeah, we know what do teachers always ask for they ask for time because yeah. we don't necessarily have a huge amount of time to you know to re to do a to do to do the amount of research that's needed to provide this the widening of, of our history curriculums at key stage three and that's why these books are so brilliant because i think whenever i speak to teachers about how do you how do you know all this stuff to be able to teach your classes you know and, and the biggest thing I think is the biggest kind of problem, I suppose, has always been textbooks has always have always told such a traditional narrative. Yeah. And these books are just changing the game. You know, I walked out of school today with this with with the Migration Nation book under my arm. And I had a couple of people yeah. actually ask me, you know, oh, that book's really cool. What is that? You know, and I think it's so exciting that, you know, that this is providing the, it's really it's it's a really good resource to help teachers because teachers we know are desperate for for subject knowledge to be able to enrich their curriculums and you know OUP are doing a brilliant job of, of doing that. Yeah, I think you I think you're bang you're absolutely right that a, di a diverse curriculum is really easy to say, isn't it? And it's yeah. it really sort of pay lip service to it, but we know really it's just about giving that fuller picture and highlighting these often ignored contributions of often marginalized people and you mentioned it just then that it's just nice to, to be able to sort of work beyond the tram lines that we've always worked in but it, certainly i have for the first few years of teaching so this is an opportunity for us to do that yeah and there's definitely an appetite in i mean you work in itt and i i do as well at the university of warwick and there's definitely an appetite which is really heartening from young trainees coming into the game who who want to join in with this as well. They're really, they're really keen. We offer several assignment choices for PGCE trainees, and there's one about literacy and one about teaching sensitive issues. And the third one's about exploring the extent history curriculum offers or reflects diversity and inclusivity. And it's a choice. And hands down, this is always the most popular assignment by a mile. Definitely. Um, yeah. And I, I definitely see that when working with working with uh, trainee teachers as well. I think, you know, they've they and I think, you know, I think part of that as well is that they've sort of haven't necessarily left school that long ago, but have potentially had a bit of a taste of this when they were at school or are reflecting on the fact that actually they want to do things differently. You know, and I think it, again, I think it's so it's it's really exciting that, you know, they are they, they come with so many you know so many brilliant yeah. ideas relating to this and and, and i think the, the fact that it's driving their practice rather than it being an add-on and an addition it's actually something they're going into the classroom really conscious about how to do this properly and it, yeah. it goes back to what you said about lip service i think you know i think where there's always i feel like previously there's it's always been a bit of a tick box sort of you know add-on sort of thing you yeah, know um, to add the add these stories in bolt them on at the end or kind of do a do a token lesson on you know indian soldiers or do a token lesson on on windrush and that you know the story starts and then with windrush and that's it right and i think there's there's such a appetite for really sort of 
taking tearing curriculums apart in lots of ways and thinking actually how do we tell these stories in a really authentic way in a way that's not othering you know those uh, those voices and those contributions uh, but also in a way that it can fit into to all those sort of traditional arcs that we do know are incredibly important to anchor our students you know so yeah i think it's all of these things that it gives us gives us a lot of hope for the future definitely yeah thank you shalina so we're, well, I'm going to bring in Liberty and, and, and Tia, if I, I will, for a moment. We're, the book we're chatting about today is the new Migration Nation book. So just to break it down simply for people listening, the new book has five case studies. And each of those case studies focuses on a, a migration story. We have Jewish migration, Irish migration, Caribbean, South Asian and Eastern European. But we also have some big questions that kind of wrap around those case studies and they support those case studies. So when we talk about big questions, it's the big questions we often ask in our classroom. You know, we want pupils to think about what is migration? Why should we study it? Why do migrants come to Britain? How has migration shaped Britain? How has migration been portrayed in the media? And why is migration a controversial topic? So they're the, the big things we study. So, I'm going to pick on one of those big questions and direct it to Liberty and Tear, if I could. So why do you think we should study migration? What do students gain from it? Why should schools make space for it? Um, thank you very much. Uh, it's a good question. Very simply for me, I think it starts with the fact that studying migration is just really rich and fascinating. It's a really interesting thing to study with your students and you'll see them coming to life with it. Um, it's also it's an incredibly important subject. So beyond the national conversation, political debates and headlines in newspapers, there's actually a really long and rich story of comings and goings to and from these shores over thousands of years that have shaped and defined who we are. It's about where we've come from, it's about where we're going, whether you're a first generation immigrant or somebody whose family tree has to be traced back generations to, to peel back those layers and find those migration stories. But it's something that's relevant to all of us. It's fundamental to our history. So quite simply, you can't understand the history of Britain and society today without understanding the history of migration. We also we see that migration is often presented as this really problematic contemporary issue. However, it's so much more complex and, and interesting and nuanced than that. It's a funda fundamental part of who we are as kind of individuals and communities and nations. So we also we know that it's a great way of understanding our place in the world. So thinking beyond the, the borders of Britain and thinking about our connections with the wider world. Um, and that is a, a great thing to kind of impart upon any student. And it connects our own personal stories as well to those local histories, to our nation and to that wider world as well. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna hand over to Pia actually uh, to talk about what students gain from, from studying migration as well. Thanks Liberty. I think students can gain so much from studying migration. It's really a topic that they can see their stories represented I think it can help them feel more valued and respected in the classroom yeah. and really gives yeah. teachers an opportunity to create an inclusive learning environment. We've also seen time and time again how studying migration really brings history to life because it's personal and it's relevant and it really can bring this enthusiasm from history that doesn't just stay in key stage three, this can go up to GCSE and A-level as well. And in terms of skills, it really can equip students with the tools to engage in the often divisive and political debates surrounding migration. And it can help build more empathy and understanding of others' experiences. So it's really, they can gain so much from studying migration. Yeah. 
I was just going to add on in terms of why schools really, you know, should be making a space for it and, and need to be making a space for it. Yeah. I think as well, understanding that through studying migration, we can also better explore other intersecting themes around race, ethnicity, identity, belonging. Yeah. It's a way of our schools becoming actively engaged in anti-racist work, which is increasingly important. And, um, you know, we do, we, the NSPCC has reported an increase in uh, in bullying in schools that are related to, to race and faith and therefore we need to be equipping our teachers and our students to to kind of uh, yeah to to deal deal with those things and I think as well just students want this <laughs> we're yeah, seeing agree, it from teachers and we're really we are seeing students really wanting it and demanding it and yeah we're seeing those increased calls kind of getting louder and louder which is fantastic as I think you can agree <laughs> Yeah, the, I mean, the, yeah, the modern classroom is just a really diverse place to be, isn't it? So, I mean, society in general is a diverse place and the curriculum should reflect that. wanted as well just to say that I think as well perhaps we're doing a disservice to migrant groups if we don't share their stories and their achievements and their contributions. And there's so many wonderful hidden histories in there too mm -hmm. that are just not that, that are just have never been sort of showcased before. To give you an example, I think... I think the stories of Polish pilots in the RAF are fairly well known, but Polish battleships joined Britain's Navy and Polish soldiers served as part of the ground forces and hundreds of Czech and Slovak women served in the sort of the women's version of the Royal Air Force, the WAAF, and they worked in offices and hospitals and departments for mapping and weather analysis and code breaking. And those just haven't really been shared before. And, and then... And then we begin, we begin a, Britain begins a European voluntary workers scheme. And when I was researching for the book, this was just fascinating. So we know we invited people from the, the Caribbean to work here. You know, that's quite well known, but we do the same in Eastern Europe. There's a kind of Eastern European version of a Windrush thing going on. And mm. 90,000 Eastern Europeans arrive in the first couple of years after the war. And they're housed in in these old POW camps, but they show this enormous sort of resilience and created their own churches and schools and leisure facilities in these camps. And they form choirs and bands and sports teams. And there's some stunning photos in the book of this proud Czech family, you know, dad's in a suit, mum's in a best frock with the children in front of their Nissan huts, you know, those prefabricated half, half sort of cylindrical mm. huts that they turn into a home. And they've done it with flower boxes and new windows and they're and they're in melton mowbray and they're they're living in an old pow camp in 1968 and then of course they move into local towns and cities but we get large eastern european communities build, building up around britain so when the eu expanded in 2004 many eastern europeans had that knowledge of and in some cases a link to certain places they were Historic links. They didn't just randomly go to a place. There's a reason behind it. And I think these stories should be shared. You know, the, the, idea, the idea that the Windrush, gen, that there's a Windrush myth, isn't there, that the Caribbean migration started after the war. That's mm. not the case at all. And there's a myth that Eastern European migration started in 2004. It's just not the case. Uh, but, so it's lovely to give voice mm. to those stories. Definitely, definitely agree. And there's such fascinating stories as you've just proven. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, yes. Um, so it just taking it slightly, slightly left field, perhaps if I 
Shalina, well, actually, in fair play, in, in, in fairness, um, uh, uh, open floor with this one. So there might be some teachers listening in who are concerned about teaching sensitive or potentially contentious topics, such as the story of migration. Because, you know, migration can be a story of racism and persecution. So, so what advice might you give to a teacher who's a little concerned about teaching this sort of topic in a classroom? I can I can start off. I think I think what's brilliant about this about the textbook is that before, as you said, Aaron, there's there's five case studies about different communities who've migrated here. But before that, there's some pages in the book that covers these really big questions that I think are really reassuring. I think for for teachers to to delve into. So uh, the first one is what is migration? Why should we study migration? Who were the earliest migrants to Britain? I feel like that's a really great yeah. gateway yeah. into the topic. And also, I think I think it's worth saying as well that within those pages particularly what is migration what i think is so brilliant at the beginning of the book is that there's basically a whole double spread that is sort of breaks down for students the language around migration and i think that's so brilliant you know it just sort of deals with voluntary migration forced migration immigrants emigrants refugees etc and asylum seekers and i think I think that's really brilliant that you know that that is there as a, as a tool for teachers because inevitably all of these different terms are going to come up in the classroom and I think that sometimes that that in itself could make teachers feel a bit nervous that you know can I am I going to be able to am I going to use the right word am I going to be able to explain it to my to my students etc and I also think the other thing and it's totally grounded Erin in what you just said actually which is that I think for anyone that sort of is worried about this I think what's so clear on every single page of this textbook is that there are such interesting sources and interesting personal stories so i think we might sort of yeah. think that migration is this can be can feel sometimes like this big sort of scary topic but actually mm-hmm. it, everything is grounded in these brilliant images like you said these really you know personal stories i know that when i was sort of doing the review process of this you know one of my favorite stories of all time that's in here is the story of jay ben desai um, yeah. You know the stroker in the story who means a huge amount to me because I had two aunties that worked in the in the in the factory um, as well. So you know to see her story in there is just incredible. And I think yeah, I think to anyone that is sort of worried, you know the the book sort of is 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 a really is really supportive there's so many you know sort of little fact boxes and questions that sort of really will will engage the students in this uh in this really rich topic as 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 tia said earlier and yeah i think those beginning big questions are really 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 helpful i think and language is language is really important isn't it we know that it can be a a rather powerful, contentious way of, of of dealing with things you know so the fact that we start very clearly with the way that we should speak about things and um, because we know how inflammatory certain words can be and what i mean you know if you read the news if you watch the news recently we know that there's certain conferences taking place where certain words will be used that are incredibly inflammatory so we've we've worked hard i know that was something liberty and tia that yeah. you were particularly keen on to get the language right yeah definitely and i think you know we're we're so aware that being aware of the sensitivities around uh, teaching and studying migration is so important um but yeah I, I think the fact that the textbook lays out these big clear questions and it's got language and understanding and definitions i think starting with that 
And then I think our kind of biggest advice to teachers is, is actually just approaching the subject with empathy, is approaching it with a bit of uh, an understanding and a bit of forgiveness. It's okay not to have all the answers, but to see it as a bit of an opportunity to learn alongside your students. And actually some of your students might have more lived experience than you. And that's absolutely fine. And giving space to that and seeing it as an exchange of knowledge can be part of the joy of teaching the subject. Yeah, and I just also wanted to add that I think migration isn't a topic that you can avoid or that your students can avoid. It's something, as you just mentioned, um, is in the news on a daily basis. And actually the classroom is is a safe environment where you can approach this topic, like Liberty said, with that empathy and understanding and really allow them to explore this and understand the topic in, in a way that is much better and really helps build their skills for when they might encounter histories of migration or conversations about migration outside of the classroom. And I think also just to remember that all history teachers already explore many sensitive topics. And that's something that you will all be very used to. And you will have also approached lots of migration topics before as well. So things like the Romans or the Vikings, kings and queens, all of these things are connected to migration histories. So it's not kind of starting from scratch. There's lots of skills that you already have to be able to teach migration. And just finally, although the histories of migration uh, can have a lot to do with racism and persecution. That's only one aspect of the migration yeah. story. You'll also find a lot of joy and a lot of fun. And just like you both said, a lot of wonderful stories in teaching migration. So just to remember that as well. Thank you. Just keeping with you, Tia and, and, and Liberty, can you just talk to us a little bit more? There might be people on listening to this that's just that the idea that there's a migration museum is a pretty new thing. That might be brand new information. So could you just talk to us a little bit more, if you would, about sort of, I know you've briefly given an outline, but perhaps add a little more? Yes, definitely. We absolutely love finding people who don't know about us so that we can uh, we can welcome them to the Migration Museum. So as I said at the beginning um, of today uh, today's session, we are a team building Britain's first National Migration Museum. I think, you know, when you look at the UK having over 2,000 museums and a kind of oversaturated cultural heritage market, there's a conspicuous gap <laughs> where we actually, we need a place to explore this really important subject. So our mission is to create a moving and inspiring institution that really reflects the central role migration has always played in our national story. We want to contribute to a society that, that owns and feels really connected to this story and sees it as an essential part of British history and an essential part of their histories as well. We, we want to provide a space where people can come together to learn about my, migration, reflect on what it means to us as well, um, and engage in a meaningful conversation. I think we're so used to hearing kind of divisive language, uh, polarizing debates and, and arguments, and actually there's a space to have a much saner and more sensible conversation, a safe space that steps back from those headlines and the noise and the debate. So for the last 10 years, we've been working towards this goal. We have been staging yeah, really ambitious exhibitions that are very immersive and story-led. We have been coordinating a range of events, which is always say migration is such a joy uh, to plan events with because we can do everything. We've done football tournaments and uh, cooking lessons and singing workshops and dancing. You name it, we, we're able to do it under the theme of migration. We also want to provide a space for our local community and provide a backdrop, a relevant backdrop for people's events as well. 
I mentioned uh, earlier our active schools program, which both uh, Tia and I are, are an active part of. Uh, to date, we've engaged over 27,000 students through museum visits, in school sessions, online workshops, walking tours. But we also want to support teachers in, in different ways through uh, CPD and, and ITT opportunities for, for new teachers but also supporting with curriculum development and resource creation because we know just, uh, yeah, we know how limited time is. And if we can go out of our way to, to find resources and create resources, mm -hmm. to support, we want to do that. And we also coordinate a migration network across the UK, which brings together work and best practice up and down the country. So we're currently based in Lewisham Shopping Centre, where we're going to remain for the next few years. But we're very excited as well to announce that earlier this year, we secured our permanent home in the city of wow. London. Yes, very, very exciting development. It's set to open in 2026. And we also hope to establish a network of kind of high street hubs is our is the current term that we're using for it, which would be a series of venues around the UK, really connecting local areas with their migration stories as well, not just those here in London. So how, how might people contact you? Then? I know you said where you are, but sort of physically for the time being. But are you Twitter, 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 or whatever they call it this week? <laughs> we are, we are indeed. So our Twitter handle is at Migration UK, and we very much welcome uh, people to follow us and and follow us along on that and our other social medias. But if you'd like to find out more and to get in touch, I think the best thing to do is to is to contact is to contact info at migrationmuseum.org. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you in any in any way. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. That's um, that's a that's a, a full answer, and now there's no excuse for someone not knowing where you are and getting contact. <laughs> we'll see you. We'll see you all at the museum soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just not all at the same time. So, thank you. I think we can round off our little chat here. Are there some questions? Are there any bits and bobs to come in? We do have one. <laughs> Which historians or historical scholarship about migration would you most recommend? Ah, right. Ooh. Can I, can I jump in there? Because I've got two, yep. two that are my uh, two that are my favourites, and and we're very lucky at the Migration Museum in that they are both involved with us. So there wow. is a fantastic book uh, by a, a man called Robert Winder called Bloody Foreigners, and for yeah. anybody wanting to kind of really get a kind of overview and an introduction to this subject i think it's such a great way to start um, and he has been a kind of trustee with us for uh for for the long haul since the beginning um, and we're also very very lucky to be affiliated and to have david olasoga as a trustee with us and um, and mm -hmm. he has his black and british series and again i think they're just fantastic ways of really introducing the subject to you and um and getting stuck in and yeah they'll make that both both people will make anybody enthusiastic about history and migration history. Thank you. I can chip in and just say, I've thoroughly enjoyed, and it's really helped in the creation of this book, I've enjoyed Homecoming, which is um, from Colin Hart, Voices of the Windrush Generation, which I thought was absolutely magnificent. And it's basically just lots and lots of first-hand accounts. So whilst, um, whilst it's, you know, ro rather than, let, we talked about historical scholarship, uh, th this, these are just, these are just, sort of lived experiences and 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 voices of the Windrush generation, which I found absolutely mesmerizing as a book. That's Homecoming by Colin Colin Grant. Sorry, Colin Grant. I think I said heart earlier. Sorry, Shalini, did I cut um, you off? Uh, no, it's fine. I was gonna say that there's a there's a book that came out last month actually. So people might not be aware of it, but it's a brilliant book called The Shoulders We Stand On, uh, How Black and Brown People Fought for Change in the UK. So I feel like this book really supports the kind of the end of the of the 
of some of the uh, chapters, uh, particularly sort of focusing on uh, post forty five migration. That's by a lady called Preeti Dillon, mm-hmm. and it's a re- it's really really brilliant. And then similarly, there's another book that I that I read very recently, which is called What's in a Name: uh, Friendship, Identity, and History in Modern Multicultural Britain by Sheila Banerjee. And again, uh, would really help anyone who's particularly interested in Chapter Four: South Asian Migration. Um, it's a really really brilliant book. So these are really new; they've only been out for the last couple of months. But I'd really recommend them, uh, particularly for the kind of the kind of impact that uh, you know that migration has had on sort of modern Britain, particularly. Thank you, thank you both. Thank you for time, Shalina and Liberty and Tia. And um, yes, hope to see you again soon when we talk about fight for rights at some point. Thank you ever so much. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Take care.